Okay, this is part two of an HOA survival guide. And if you didn't listen to part one, well, the obvious recommendation will be starting there. Thank you for joining us today. In part two, we're going to look at some tips. And I'll tell you a story about a good old-fashioned HOA dust-up. As best I remember it, anyway. This thing went down about 10 years ago, and... um, When you've spent 25 years in the music business, well, hey, I've had a few brain cells blunted along the way. But I'm a survivor. We're all survivors. And uh, we'll take a look at that story here soon. But before we begin, I had a listener reach out to me about property values and HOAs. Are HOAs good or bad for property values? So I did some looking around online and... You can find different studies that say different things, but from what I found, the HOA is going to give you upwards of a 5% hedge in your favor on property values. And why is that? Well, think of it this way. Why is so much new construction over 75% today under HOAs? Well, it's because municipalities and counties, they don't want to deal with codes enforcement. Get a HOA up and running and you can pretty much forget about it. The HOA will self-govern in that regard. And that's going to protect your property value. If you live outside an HOA and you're going to rely on city or county codes for enforcement of things like someone bringing in an old bus from the Louisiana State Prison, parking it in front of their house, running an orange extension cord out there and a water hose and letting their cousins live out there for a summer, Well, good luck to you. By the way, that happened two doors down from me when I lived in Nashville, not in an HOA. Yeah, relying on city or county codes, good luck to you. I also did a look on Zillow, and I know that can go a lot of different directions as well, but I looked at my area where homes literally right across the street from the homes in my area. HOA, literally right across a two-lane backcountry county road, run about 15% less than the homes in our HOA neighborhood. They're the same size house, and they're actually on much bigger lots, but they run about 15% less over there. They're not in an HOA. Again, very anecdotal evidence with a lot of variables, but there you go. I'll uh, try to put a screenshot that I took from Zillow in the show notes, so you can check that out, see what I'm talking about. So we ended uh, part one on rules, how most uh, issues, 90% of more issues that I saw in our HOA can be avoided by folks simply reading the rules. So as promised, 10 tips for those who live in an HOA, or maybe you're thinking of moving into an association, these are 10 tips from the perspective of a very successful HOA Presidente, the man on the move himself. Give you a moment to grab a pencil, take notes if you like. I'm going to take a swig of Topo Chico. We have no sponsors on the shows. Obviously, my viewpoints probably don't represent Topo Chico. And I highly doubt 
Topo Chico's viewpoints would represent mine, but it's good stuff. All right. Are you ready? Rule number one. Before you buy your home, try reading the rules of the HOA to see if you like them. Let's start there, can we? Pretty simple, right? Rule number two. If you skip rule number one, you might want to ask for a copy of the rules at your real estate closing appointment. You're about to sign a very expensive legal document that says you like the rules. Rule number three. If you've skipped number one and number two, you've closed on your house and you're moving in, well, guess what? You like the rules. But since you have not read the rules yet, try reading the rules at some point of your living in the HOA. Just give it a shot. Dedicate an hour of your night one night and read the rules. Number four, try understanding that the rules will be enforced and there is no clause that exempts your address. Remember, you like the rules now, and by this point, you should have read them. Not reading the rules does not exempt you from their enforcement. Number five, if there are rules that you like better than the rules that you said you liked, but now you don't like, join your HOA board. This is how new rules you like better can be implemented. Just do me a favor, please come with an actionable plan. Rule number six, if you need to discuss the rules you said you liked, but now you don't like, you can come to an HOA meeting to discuss in person in an open forum the rules. Again, please come with an actionable plan. Rule number seven. Now, this could be very specific to my HOA, but it may well be the case elsewhere. The judges in our county, they wrote our HOA rules. So remember, these are the same rules you said you liked when you bought your house. So keep that in mind when you say, I'll see you in court. Our HOA remains undefeated in court appearances, and we will remain that way due to how well-written and well-enforced our rules are. Rule number eight, rules are rules, and no one has a personal vendetta or a grudge against you. Now, hey, we may love the jalapeno cornbread that you bring to all of our community events, but that doesn't mean we also love your rotten siding, your missing shingles, and your knee-high grass. Rule number nine, the HOA board is not a referee between you and your neighbors in petty disputes. And we also don't search for lost pets, nor do we involve ourselves with the raising of your children. These are not in the HOA rules, and you should have already read and liked the HOA rules by now. Rule number 10, hey, if you don't like the rules that you originally liked, or you can't abide by the rules that you liked, but now you don't like, then move. There are plenty of other neighborhoods that might have rules you like better, or possibly no rules at all, right across the street from us, like I mentioned before. But you'll be happier, we'll be happier, and trust me, I have an email list of about 15 people wanting to buy your house today, because they have read the rules, they like the rules, and they got cash in hand, baby. So now, 
Let's take a look at a good old dust-up in an HOA. Everyone loves a good HOA story, right? Well, our neighborhood, as I mentioned in part one, it's a little older. It was built late 70s, early 80s, and it's built around a very traditional look. And due to that look, we have a rule under our home exterior policies that says the exterior brick on any home shall not have its color altered in any way. Direct quote. This particular rule seems very straightforward, right? It's not really a rule I'd expect any problems understanding. So imagine my surprise when I get a panic call from a fellow board member one morning telling me that someone in the neighborhood is out painting their brick house white, like right now, like it's happening at this very moment. Now, this no painted brick rule, it's pretty common in many neighborhoods. It's a, it's a means towards a uniform architectural look. In our neighborhood, we used to see one or two requests a year to paint a brick home, and, and the answer was always a unanimous no. Some people in our neighborhood wanted the rule changed as styles and tastes change, but overall, the rule maintains overwhelmingly a majority support of the neighborhood. Um. For the record, I, I really have no position. I'd be fine if it went away, and I'm fine with it in place, but we, we just never saw the traction to change it. So how did this fella end up painting his brick? Well, this particular homeowner, he submitted a request to paint his shutters, his trim, and his front door. And his house is mostly brick, but parts of it are wood siding, and he requested to paint the wood siding as well. It's a very routine and simple request. Our architectural control subcommittee, they quickly approved it. Uh, but the problems began when this fella took to painting the whole damn house. Brick and everything. So we started trying to call him. We were emailing him. We stopped by the house in person, started knocking on the door in an effort to stop this egregious breach of the rules. He was not at home. He wasn't answering his phone. And his painters uh, no habla ingles. They did not comprehend a our repeated pleas of alto, 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 por favor, mucho dinero, no blanco, no blanco. Well, eventually we got in touch with this guy, but it was a little too late. They had painted the whole damn thing. And uh, Mr. Parsons, we'll call him, he was, he was quite surprised we had a, a concern. He, he claimed he had been approved. No, that's not the case at all. Let's, let's reread your HOA approval letter together, out loud, shall we? It states, you are approved to paint your trim, shutters, door, and siding as requested. Do you see where it never mentions brick? Well, he looked over the letter, and I think he knew he was pretty much cornholed, but he said, well, brick is siding. Well, no, no, sir, it's not. So this thing blew up. It immediately became a hot topic of conversation in the neighborhood, and it, it really didn't help that this house is on one of our busiest streets. It's on the busiest street in the neighborhood. And it also didn't help that the sun was violently gleaming off of this bright white painted house. It was blinding drivers as they rounded the curb in front of his house. And so I'm the HOA president and I'm immediately flooded with text and emails and calls from the whole neighborhood. Someone has painted their brick house. 
oh boy. I thought, man, this is going to be a doozy. So I started searching on the internet. How do you remove paint from brick? And um, now it, it sounded expensive. So after a few conversations with Mr. Parsons, it was, it was quite clear this fellow was digging in. Uh, he came to a meeting. We were talking it over. We were looking over the rules again. We were looking over his approval letter again. We were just, you know, hey, this, this you can't, you can't paint the brick. And um, he looked at us very sternly and said, the paint is not coming off the house. And he was adamant. And he went on to claim again that the brick was siding. He claimed he had never received a copy of the HOA rules. He claimed the rules were not clear. He claimed our approval letter was not clear. And, um, oh, we, we were Nazis. Yeah, the, the Nazi thing, that's a common claim of last resort during HOA disagreements, though I've yet to find any historical record of Albert Speer chairing an HOA subcommittee. So now we're at a crossroads. What What's the point of having these rules if we're not going to enforce the rules? If we let Mr. Parsons do as he pleases, well, we might as well just tear up the whole damn rule book, right? So I went to our attorney, Raymond Duke, and he gave me the inside scoop. You see, we were one of the first HOAs in our county, and thankfully, uh, the, our developers created this neighborhood with a lot of planning, a lot of research, and a lot of purpose, and... As I mentioned before, the county judges, they absolutely love the way our rules are written. Why? Well, because they helped write them. Bingo. The same judges often take our rules and give them to newer HOAs that are building for reference or for them to model. Mr. Parsons, it turns out, was headed for a very expensive lesson in paint removal. So he chose to refuse all of our efforts to abide by the rule, and it really left us no option. Mr. Duke, counselor, your table is ready. And our court session lasted all of about four minutes. The rule was just too clear. Remove the paint. Thank you. Good night. Gavel down. The judge was basically perturbed that Mr. Parsons had come into court with this so one morning, it was about six weeks after that gavel strike, and I went out for a walk in the neighborhood, and I heard the sound of really heavy machinery off in the distance, and I rounded the corner to see a large yellow tanker truck and a crew of men dressed in gear. It looked like they were going in to clean up Chernobyl, and lo and behold, the paint was fastidiously being removed by some type of sandblasting equipment. Gosh, this looks expensive, I thought. And uh, there he was. He was standing outside on his porch watching the action. And as I walked by, I, I looked up and said, Good morning, Mr. Parsons. Hey, look, the paint is coming off. And while I was shouting, I had to raise my hand to shield my eyes from the sun that was gleaming off what white paint remained on the house and that's when I noticed Mr. Parsons glaring at me with a with a inner rage that it seemed to exceed painted brick. It was then that I realized the way I was holding my arm to shield my eyes from the sun that was gleaming off the paint, it, it may have looked like I was doing a Nazi salute. 
That was far from my intent, far from my intent. It was, it was time to walk on. Well, as it turns out, Mr. Parsons was a house flipper. He really didn't care about the HOA. He didn't care about the neighborhood. He didn't care about the rules. His renovations were an attempt to make a quick buck, and I really think he could do this and get in, get out with the paint before anybody could challenge him, and um, he was wrong. So there you go. It's a, that's a pretty typical HOA experience, right? Just read the rules. All of this drama, all of this expense, the court dates, the arguments, the Nazis, and the sandblasting, all of it could have been avoided if you just read the rules. It turned out it was handled in such a way that the neighbors applauded our HOA board in, in, in the way we brought it to a conclusion. And, well, they also applauded when Mr. Parsons' moving van headed out the street, turned north, and headed out of the neighborhood. So that wraps us up for HOAs. Two-parter on HOAs is more than enough. Who knows? I might circle back around later for some more stories. I've got a bunch of them written. I was trying to put together a book at one point, but um, hey, we'll get there. We'll, 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 we'll find some more uh, fun stuff to talk about in uh, HOA world. Next up, the debtor's dilemma. Should you pay off debt or should you start investing? for your retirement. It's a common conundrum, and we're going to take a look and see how to answer that question from three different perspectives. The debtor's dilemma, pay off debt or invest. Until then, remember, this is music by Colehead. Check it out on SoundCloud. Thank you to Brooklyn, Addison, and Romboid Media for setting me up with the podcast. Get out there, get on the move, stay on the move, get with the man on the move. Take care. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.